And we do all have many blessings to thank the Lord for and uh, so much that we can praise Him for. And I'm thankful that we have uh, a God who allows us, allows us to be able to praise Him, to thank Him. You have your Bibles with you this morning? That, they kind of look something like this. For those of you that have forgotten, they kind of look something like this. Uh, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, I want to go back to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, we're going to look at verses 21 through 32 this morning. And uh, before we read our passage, I want to just kind of set the stage as to where we are. Several weeks ago, I started a series called Don't Check Your Brain at the Door. And with Paul's uh, uh, message and a call to think, and, and I kind of talked about this passage of Scripture in that sermon, in that Paul uh, went to a place called Athens where he uh, would meet with a group of philosophers and share the gospel with them. And uh, that was my challenge as I was reading that and, and thinking about what uh, God was saying, that we need to be thinkers, that we need to be people that are using our heads. Oftentimes the world says that we are foolish to serve Christ, uh, that we are uh, narrow-minded and that we are uh, closed-minded and all of those wonderful things that they say about us. And I'm thankful that I can be all of those things as long as I'm walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Amen? All right, so Acts chapter 17, verses 21 through 32, and I'll ask you to stand in just a few moments, but I wanted to kind of set the stage. The secularization of our country is an interesting thing to me. In the name of education and advancement, educators and intellectuals have dismissed the most influential book of all times from our curriculum in schools. It is nearly impossible to understand the writings of such folks as Milton and Shakespeare without some basic understanding of Scripture. Yet in a day when censorship is uh, decried by the liberals, they themselves have censored the Bible out of the realm of public education. The results have been very devastating in our country. If one would go back to look and document the decline of our culture over the last four decades, one fact that would be glaringly noticeable would be the significant correlation between the taking out of prayer and scripture in the public schools and the rapid decline of our culture around us. As scripture says in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, where there is no revelation, where there is no word of God, the people cast off all restraints. And my friends, we're living in a time when that is taking place. All of this has led us to where we are today. A generation of people who have embraced um, everything else as truth except for the truth. As philosophy which says there is no truth, the truth of the matter is that our culture is still far better off than the culture that Paul presented the gospel to in his day. Now, I know that's hard to imagine and hard to believe, but it only takes but a little reading to find out how bad things were back then. I say that to encourage you for those of you that are saying, it's too far gone. We, preacher, we might as well just huddle up and wait for Jesus because our culture is too far gone. No, my friends, 
The Bible tells us that in Paul's day, when he presented the gospel to a lost world, their culture was even worse than ours today. Do not give up. We have been given a call to go out and spread the gospel. We need to do it. This morning, I want to invite you back to the book of Acts in chapter 17 and verses 21 through 32 to read with me. This famous passage of Scripture, which probably many of you are familiar with, where we find the Apostle Paul in Athens preaching the message of Christ to an intellectual group that day. And let's hear what happens when Paul presents the truth of the gospel to them. This morning, I want to speak to you about the truth of the gospel. Let's stand together as we read the reading of the Word. Acts chapter 17 and verses 21 through 32. For those of you that don't have your Bibles at home, it's there on the screen for you as well. And Paul writing here, or Luke writing here about Paul, says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that all things are, you are too superstitious. For I have passed by, and behold, your devotions, and I have found an altar uh, with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with a man's hands as though... He needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And he has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined the times before appointed and bound of their, their inhabitation, that they would, should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are offsprings of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold and silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Listen, my friends, because he has appointed a day in that which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. Lord, we ask that, Father, that you would take the reading of your word, the hearing of your word, and now, Father, move me out of the way so that we might hear the preaching of your word. And, Lord, may we hear the truth of, about sharing the gospel. And may it cause our hearts to be stirred to know that there are those who need Jesus. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Even as Paul was called to take the message of Christ to all people in all places, we too have been given the glorious task. Man's basic need has not changed. People everywhere still need a Savior, and Jesus is still the only way. Man's thinking may have changed over time, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Forever and ever, he will not change. Our challenge is to find the most effective way to communicate the gospel to the world in which we are living in today. So I want to share with you the truth about sharing the gospel. By showing you a few things of, about Paul sharing the gospel in Athens this morning. My hope is that we can learn from Paul how that we all can be better at sharing our faith within the framework of the culture in which we live today. The first thing that I want us to see is the culture in which Paul was living in that day. And I've framed it like this, Paul's cultural environment. Paul's cultural environment set the stage for how he was going to share the gospel. The way that Paul saw things around him gave him the insight on how that he should approach people with the gospel. My friends, I can tell you today that sharing the gospel is different than it was back in 1950. There was a different approach to sharing the gospel. Now listen, don't hear me wrong. Hear me correctly. The gospel has not changed. The culture in which we are sharing the gospel has changed. The message is still the same, but the way that we approach the people has to change. Fleeing from persecution at Thessalonica and Berea, Paul heads to Athens to await the arrival of Timothy and Silas, his partners in the gospel. And this is the occasion for this famous sermon on Mars Hill. You see, at this time, the Roman world was one which had been influenced significantly by the Greek and their culture. The art and literature from ancient Greece was studied and admired by the Romans. And every well-educated Roman of that day could read and write Greek fluently. The fact of the matter is, the entirety of the New Testament was written in Greek. Therefore, reminding us and showing us the influence that the Greeks had on the known world at that time. Other than being a pagan culture, other than being a pagan society, by which I mean they worship pagan idols, as Paul makes very clear. They had statues of all kinds of pagan idols. There are two other things that I want you to see about this culture in which Paul is presenting the gospel here in Athens. It was a city given over to the pursuit of physical and sensual pleasures. In verse 18, if you look at it, it tells us that there were Epicureans there. In Athens, Epicureans believed a philosophy a, a very akin to our modern-day existentialists. While they did not deny the existence of gods, like the deists, they held that gods were some distant uh, entity that were non-connected to the affairs of human beings in this world, denying the existence of eternity. 
It reminds me of the, uh, of the fact that in the Jewish culture, there were both the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed in the, the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not. Do you know why they were called the Sadducees? Because they were uh, ones who didn't believe there was anything after death, so it made them sad, you see? You see, when we don't believe that there's something after this life, there's nothing to be excited about in this life. It's not that we are living up this day. It's that we're looking for a better day, a day where God has said He has promised us an eternal life with Him. But in these group of people, they, they didn't believe that God had anything to do with them and that there was any kind of afterlife. So uh, they believed that, that they were to live in the moment, professing a belief that the best life was the one lived from free of pain, totally given over to the pleasures of this world. So the culture of Athens, and for most of the part of the Roman Empire as a whole, was given over to the, to the desire and the pursuit of sensual pleasures. Does that sound very familiar to anybody in our day? Oh, it seems very clear that we are there. The second thing that we see, it was a city associated with learning and culture. Of all the Greek cities, Athens was the most famous for being the center of art, architecture, and philosophy and culture. Again, verse 18 tells us that there was also another group, the Stoics, at Athens. Stoics had a higher view of God and that they held to what they believed God was to be found in all nature. That God was everywhere and in everything and in everybody. Feeling the divine spark was within all living things... They felt that there was a rational principle that held the cosmic order together. It was all about reason and thinking. It was all about the fact that when we put our minds to it, we can do it. What's the motto of today? Put your mind to it and you can do it. You see, the reality is that we have taught our society that it's all about what you can think up and dream up. And if you can think it up and dream it up, you can make it happen. We have left God out of the equation. And therefore, we find that these group of people, though they had a higher view of God, they thought God had indwelled them to the point that their learning made them gods. The more that they learned, the more that they believed that God was found in them. Thus, pure reasoning became the one thing that connected them with the gods. Like the philosophers during the Enlightenment time, reason ultimately became their God. It was a sensual and philosophical environment, the very like of our own today. We're living in a world that is being told over and over again, live it up for today. And as a matter of fact, we're living in a time when the world is telling us, if you don't have the highest of education, you are of little value anymore. It is all about reason and sensuality. This is the very area in which Paul took the gospel message into. 
the very gospel message that we need to take into a world that is very similar to this one. So let's talk about Paul's conviction that motivated him. I, you see the environment in which he has taken the gospel into. But what is it that motivated Paul to take the gospel to a group that, that, that had all kinds of gods? As a matter of fact, he looked around and he said to them, you are almost too superstitious, meaning that you have too many gods. You have too many things to, to add one more to. Listen, my friends, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not another God to add to your pile. He is the God of gods. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the only one. All others are made of stone. In verse 16, and I know we didn't read these, so you have to go back and look at these, but it, it just kind of points to where I want to go. And in verse 16, it tells us that the Spirit was provoked in Paul. Listen to what he says. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his Spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given over to idolatry. My friends, this pagan society, and this, oh, thank you, my dear. She just brought me a little gift. This pagan society in which Paul was presenting the gospel he knew that they needed the truth. He knew that the truth in which they needed was not going to be found in those stones, was not going to be found in, in, in gold and silver, but it was only found in the truth in which he knew. He knew God's truth. Paul knew that these statues were merely man-made objects that held no power to save, no power to protect, no power to forgive, or no ability to respond to their prayers and their desires. He knew it was God who had created the heavens and the earth. He knew the truth and the deception and the false teaching that surrounds him stirred within his soul a deep, profound, righteous indignation. Paul's knowledge of the truth, the truth that had set him free so many years ago, caused him to respond to the gospel. Can I just ask you this morning, how many of you have been set free in Jesus Christ? Say amen. 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 If we've been set free in Jesus Christ, we know the truth, and there is people around us that are deceived into thinking they are, they are lost and they're dying in their sin. Why are we not convinced that because we have the truth, we need to tell them the truth? There's something within us that says, I don't want to offend them. My friends, I would rather offend them than see them die and go to hell. Paul said, I was once lost, but now I am found. I was once blind, but now I see. And I have a truth that is in Jesus, and I must share it with you. The second thing that we see is that he was indwelt with God's Spirit. Not only did the truth of God make him alive and set him free, but the promise of God for all of us is that at that very moment, God does not just send us out in our own strength, but He puts within us His eternal power, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not only was it His intellect, His knowledge of God's truth that stirred Him, but Paul, like all Christians, was indwelt with God's Spirit. And my friends, do you know that the Spirit of God is greed over the fact that there are many that are walking in this world blindly? 
And the Spirit of God is constantly calling out to them, constantly working on them, constantly trying to draw them out of their darkness into His marvelous light. One of the things that we must keep in mind is that the closer that you and I walk with God, the more sensitive we are to the leadership of His Holy Spirit. Many people miss opportunities to share the gospel with people that they meet because they're not walking close enough with the Spirit of God that they hear Him say, I have been working on Him, go speak to Him. I read an article the other day and, and, and this guy was telling his story about uh, going in and just feeling the urging of the Holy Spirit to speak to the clerk. He said, but I've worked all day. I'm so tired. I'm ready to go home. I just want to get my item and I want to go home. So he goes back, picks up what he wants, goes to the cash register, pays for his stuff and starts walking out the door. And this bearded, tattooed biker dude walks through the door and goes up to the counter and says to the cashier, I need to tell you about my friend Jesus. And the man said in the story, how that the Spirit of God convicted him because he had told him and he missed an opportunity to be the one to lead a man to Christ because he was unwilling to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul here not only had the understanding and the knowledge of God's truth, but he had the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4 tells us that with our words we can grieve the Spirit of God. And we know that He is a person who lives within us. He guiding us into truth, convicting us of our sin, and leading us unto the path of righteousness. The question for all of us this morning is when was the last time that you became upset because of the lostness of the world around you? When's the last time that you prayed for your one? Don't, don't move the camera. Your one, that one in which is on the cross, the one who needs the cross, the one who needs to know about Jesus. When's the last time that, that you took it upon yourself to say, Lord, it grieves my heart that there are lost people that I know that are dying and going to hell and I haven't shared the gospel with them yet. Paul's heart was grieved as he looked at all of the deception and all of the confusion and all of the lies of all of the false gods when he knew the truth and the Spirit of God was stirring within him to go and to share the gospel. This kind of attitude of insensitivity to the, gods, to the Spirit of God reminds us of the foolishness of those who have the gospel but yet refused to share the gospel. The same spirit that lived within Paul in that day is the same spirit that lives within us. The question is, is our response the same as Paul's? Are we hurting in our heart? Are we grieving over the lostness of those around us? The third thing that I want you to see this morning is that he was constrained by the love of God. The Apostle Paul himself, writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, says, For Christ's love compels us. Paul understood why Jesus died upon the cross. 
Not only did he have a cognitive understanding of the love of God, he had a personal witness and experience with the love of God. He had persecuted the things of Jesus. He had persecuted the church. And God spoke to him and broke him and then restored him and loved him. His life was like our life. We were rebellious and disobedient until God showed his love to us. How is it that we claim to have died to ourselves and now allow Christ to live within us and yet we seem to be unmoved by the lostness all around us? How can we claim to be His body and yet remain indifferent to the eternal lostness of those that we know? You see, it's easy to be indifferent to people that we've never met around the world. But what about those people that we know? What about those people that we love, that we know do not know Jesus? Paul was moved and constrained by the love of God, that he could not keep quiet. And we should be too. But then how does one share the gospel in a culture like that? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul gives us a perfect illustration. I want to take you through Paul's gospel presentation. Paul shares the gospel with a Christ-centered message. My friends, be careful. It's real easy to get distracted when we're trying to share the gospel and talk about all kinds of things. Remember, it's all about Christ. The gospel is all about Christ. It's not about the church you go to. It's not about the denomination that you belong to. It's not about the, the rights and the wrongs. It's about Jesus Christ. Let's look at some general observations that Paul makes. In presenting the gospel, we need to see and understand whom we're sharing the gospel with so we know that we present the gospel in a way that they will understand. First and foremost, Paul understood in whom he was speaking. One of the things that we must always do is to know our audience. While the content of the message must never vary, however, the way that we present the message must change compared to who we're speaking to. I have had the privilege over the years to share the gospel with all kinds of people. And when I share the gospel with a child, I get down on the level of the child and speak to them in words that they understand. When I'm speaking to an adult, an intellect, I speak to them in such ways that they would understand that the Bible is not a foolish book, but it is a book that needs to be studied to understand. You see, it makes a difference when we're sharing the gospel with a child or with an intellectual. It makes a difference whether we're sharing with a child or an adult. And the Apostle Paul understood the difference. In verse 27, he says that men does not, or man does not speak, seek after God on his own because of his own sinfulness. 
but that God has made us theistic because he has created us in his image. From there, he declared to them that God had revealed himself to humanity in the form of his only son, Jesus Christ, who has come to judge the living and the dead. And he preached the resurrection unto them. Now look at verse 30. For in verse 30, it's important that we understand that, that it is a call to repentance. A call to action. This, my friends, is the gospel. This, my friends, is what God has created for us to share. Listen to me clearly. That God created us, that sin has separated us from Him, and that only through the completed work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross can we be right in relationship with God. And unless we know and come to know the Lord as our Savior, we will inevitably stand before Him in judgment for our sin. That, my friends, is the gospel. The message in which we must all share. The simplicity of the gospel is the truth of the gospel. Too many of us are trying to make the gospel message something harder than what it is. God said the message is simple. I came to a sinful world, died a righteous death, rose from the grave so that you might have life. Don't make it more complicated. Give it the simplicity of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that it is simple. So simple that many stumble over its simplicity. It's simple enough that a child can receive, that an intellect can understand. It is the gospel that we must share. Notice with me in verse 32 that after he had preached the gospel, some of those there snared, but others said, we shall hear you again concerning this matter. The gospel presentation is not a promise that everybody that we share it with will receive. The gospel presentation is the message that will challenge them to search their hearts to decide whether they need to make a decision or not. But can I remind you that we should never share the gospel without giving a personal invitation? Paul made sure that he gave a personal invitation to those that he was sharing with. We should never forget that the gospel is not just a story to tell but it is to be shared with an opportunity to respond. My friends, we should not share the gospel as some fairy tale story that's pleasant to listen to. But we should share the gospel as the very matter of fact that you need to make a decision today, for today is the day of salvation, for you may not have another chance. The call to repentance in verse 30 culminates with a response 
and verse 34. Look with me if you would. And look at what happens. How bid it certain men clave unto him and believed. There were those that sneered. But there were those when given an opportunity said we believe in what you're saying. My friends, we should never share the gospel without giving an opportunity for those who have heard to respond. God has not called you and I to be successful. He has called us to be faithful. Paul used his knowledge of the culture, his passion for the gospel, the opportunity that God gave him to preach the gospel. His full, full fit, or faithfulness resulted in people responding to the gospel. I told you that I wanted to share with you this, the truth of sharing the gospel. And here's the truth of sharing the gospel as we close today. The truth about sharing the gospel is simply this. God has made it so simple that even a child can do it. Even a child can do it. I want to ask that the sound room would put these next slides up for me. And I want to tell you what they are. For they are near and dear to my heart. This is my grandson. About a year ago, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. And he accepted Christ and I baptized him. A few months ago, his sister, his younger sister, came to him and said, Blake, what does it mean to be saved? Look at what he's doing. He took the word of God and he opened up to the scriptures that I had shared with him. And he read them. And he told her what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And he told her what it took to say the sinner's prayer and to ask Jesus into his heart. And that afternoon, sitting under couch, Madison heard the gospel message in a way that she could understand because her brother knew how to share the gospel to her. And then he gave her an opportunity. Madison, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? And then he led her in the sinner's prayer. The truth of the gospel message is that it is so simple that even a child can share it. If a child can share the gospel, then you and I can share the gospel. Next week, I get the opportunity to go and to baptize my granddaughter. Because her brother 
saw the opportunity, felt the compelling of the Spirit of God to get his Bible out, took the time to share the Word of God with her, and gave her an opportunity to receive, and she did. Today, my friends, we need to understand that God has given each of us an opportunity, first and foremost, to receive the gospel if we have never received it before, to accept Jesus as our Savior, to be our Lord and our Savior, but also to be a vessel to be used by the Spirit of God to share the gospel with someone else. Where are you this morning? At what point in life are you? Are you at the point where you are ready and need to share the gospel? Are you at the point where you are ready and need to hear and receive the gospel? Those of you at home, those of you listening elsewhere may be at that point of receiving. And let me just tell you, here is the simplicity of the gospel. You are a sinner. God knew your sin and He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. You acknowledge that you have sinned and that God, through His blessed Son, His virgin birth, perfect, resurrected Son, died on that cross for you, shed His blood so that you could have the remission of your sins. If you would just receive Him unto yourself and ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins, He is faithful to do so. If you ask Him to come in and live in your heart and that you're willing to serve Him, He will take you by the hand and He will lead you through life's journey. You can be a part of the family of God today by simply just praying, simply just asking, simply just crying out to God and asking Him to be your Savior. It is that simple. There is no tricks. There is no complexity to it. God made it so simple that even a child can do it. So would you think about receiving Jesus today? If you're here today and your heart has been stirred because you know that there are lost people in your life that you need to share the gospel with, would you just commit to God? That God given the, uh, the opportunity and I will be sensitive to the leadership of the Spirit of God to speak the word of truth to them. Whether they receive it or not, God is in your hands. But God, I will be faithful whether or not I am successful. The truth of the sharing of the gospel is that we must go do it. If a child can do it, you can do it. We pray with you before we stand and call for an altar call and dismiss our online folks. Father, I pray that you would just search the heart of your people this morning. I pray that if there are those that may not know you, that they would come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You died for them so that they could receive your death, your burial, your resurrection, the blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness and be applied to their hearts. And, O oh Lord, you, O oh God, will lift us up. You will save us. Father, if there's one that needs to respond to the gospel, 
My prayer is that, Lord, that they would take the information on the screen and they would call and let us know so that we can reach out and help them and disciple them and share with them some tools that they need to continue to walk in that relationship with Christ. Father, if there are those like like myself who are convicted that if a child is sharing the gospel, why am I not sharing the gospel? Lord, I pray that you would cause us, O Lord, to be people that will share your truth and we will spread the gospel, the good news about what Jesus Christ has done for us and that he can do it for them. We ask it in Christ's name.